fidelity and trust. Ginny didn't kid herself. You could never trust a man once he became a philanderer. She had chosen philanderer for her newest vocabulary word. It meant someone who made a habit of cheating on his spouse. For more than a year, Ginny had used a thesaurus and a dictionary to try to improve her vocabulary, hoping to converse more intelligently for Harold's sake and to feel less inferior for her own sake. She had purchased the two books during her one and only year in college, and they'd done nothing but collect dust ever since, except for the odd time she'd used them to press flowers. She had looked up Playboy in the thesaurus, recalling that Harold had a reputation as one before they'd met. The word Playboy had led to philanderer. Was he one? Did she really want to know? She watched him stab a forkful of green beans, and her chest ached with love for him. If only he loved her half as much as she loved him. Harold took charge of the dinner conversation, as usual, asking the boys about their schoolwork and Boy Scout projects. Ginny had nothing new to report about her week. She felt dumb, dull, vacuous, another vocabulary word. Her life was uninteresting and boring, day in and day out. If only she could do exciting, challenging things, be a woman of vision and purpose, like Eleanor Roosevelt. Then Harold would have no reason to philander. The candle flames blurred as her eyes filled with tears. Did anyone even notice the pains she took to make Sunday dinner special? Lighting candles, using her good china and silverware, spreading the table with a white damask tablecloth and napkins. Sunday was the one day when her little family was home together all day, and she liked to make it special. They always attended church, dressed in their Sunday finest, the boys looking like little men in their jackets and ties. Jenny was in no hurry for Alan and Herbert to grow up. She wished they were still babies, or at least chubby toddlers in short pants. Harold chided her constantly for babying them too much. Virginia watched the mashed potatoes and jello vanish the pot roast shrink to scraps of leftovers. All too soon, Harold and the boys had gobbled down the apple pie she'd baked, excused themselves from the table, and disappeared into the living room. Harold sighed as he slouched into his armchair with the Sunday Times. The boys sprawled on the floor with the family dog and the funny papers. Maybe Jenny should do more than skim the news. Maybe she should take an interest in the events over in Europe the way Harold did. Maybe other women would pose less of a temptation if she could discuss current events with him. But current events would have to wait until she'd washed and dried the dishes. Virginia surveyed the abandoned table and wanted to cry. All that work, ironing the tablecloth and napkins, peeling the potatoes, cutting up the green beans, making sure the meat was seasoned just right and the gravy wasn't lumpy, rolling out the pie crust, peeling the apples, slicing them to a uniform thickness, an hour and a half of work in a steamy kitchen, and the meal was over in twenty-two minutes. It would take her another hour to clean it all up. And it was such vacuous work. No wonder Harold was bored with her. She was bored with herself. She wished she were bolder, smarter, more confident, like Eleanor Roosevelt. Virginia was drying the last of the pots and pans when the telephone rang. Jenny. Are you listening to the radio? Her next-door neighbor asked breathlessly. No, why? You'd better turn it on. We've been attacked. Attacked? What do you mean? But Betty had already hung up. 
Ginny hurried into the living room, stepping over Harold's outstretched legs and Alan's strewn comic books as she made her way to the radio. The humpbacked Philco came to life with a hollow plunk. Who was on the phone? Harold asked as the radio tubes warmed up. Betty Parker. She said we should turn on the radio. Something about an attack. Static squealed as Ginny adjusted the knob, finally tuning into a channel. It took a moment for the announcer's words, reported in somber tones, to sink in. Thick smoke is still billowing from the United States Naval Base at Pearl Harbor, where the U.S. Pacific Fleet is anchored, and from Hickam Field, where more than 100 U.S. planes have reportedly been destroyed on the ground. There is still no word on how many ships were damaged. So far, at least 200 servicemen are confirmed dead, but the death toll is expected to rise. Harold lowered his newspaper and sat forward on the edge of his seat.